5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. little ode to uh, the great Charlie Watts today. Kick the bucket at 80, Ben. No longer with us. 80 years old. That's a that's a long, fulfilling life right there, especially when you're the drummer for the Rolling oh, Stones. Uh, I think he's got had some stories. Yeah. You tore of Keith Richards and <laughs> Mick Jagger. You're going to have plenty of stories. There was the infamous story one time, I guess, Jagger had torqued him off. And... Charlie was there in the hotel, and so Charlie got up, took a shower, shaved, put on a suit, cufflinks, the whole nine. Went to the room where Mick was, knocked on the door. As soon as Jagger answered, punched him out. That's it, just punched him. And then went back to his room. (laughs) What a baller. That right there makes Charlie Watts a cool mofo. That's pretty cool, That story right there makes Charlie Watts. So did he just dress up just to punch him? Charlie Watts did, yeah. (laughs) Charlie Watts did. It's an event. Uh, when it comes to slapping the skins, Charlie Watts is one of the best, and uh, he was great. He really was. Hey, it, slapping the skins? Is yeah. that an old-school term That's there? an old-school drumming term. Oh, okay, I like that. So, he, um, I was a little concerned when they said he had some surgery a month or so ago, and he wasn't going to be touring with the stunts, because we kicked around the idea of going to the show in Charlotte until we saw the ticket prices, and then we just, because... That's someone in the stadium, right? It is. I've reached the point now... To go somewhere, Ben, as you know, that you have to meet two out of three thresholds. Uh, okay. Close by parking. Oh, the stadium's the world's worst for that in Charlotte. Free tickets. All right. Well, you're not going to get that in Charlotte either. And a catered meal. If you meet two of those three thresholds, I'll show up. All right. That's tough. That's a lot to ask nowadays, though, it seems like. Well, you can generally provide good parking and let me in for free. You don't have to have the catered meal. Yeah. But if you have the catered meal and you have the good parking, I'll pay for the ticket. Yeah, I, th- I think I get all three of those at ECU games, football games. It's you not too bad. Do, yeah. yeah. Ben Byron, by the way, uh, producing today's uh, effort. Do we have a Mike Houston? Uh, hey, Ben? I-, I got one around here right. somewhere. My I'm- stuff gets deleted when I load it in, so I'm very careful with my, my stuff. You've got to create your own button bar, I think. I think that's I've the done issue. that, but it just stuff disappears. Stuff gets deleted for. That's very odd. Very odd. A lot of things happening. Uh, ben Byron producing today's show. Intern Courtney, who we learned was a track star. Who knew? Uh, is uh, in the house. That's a TikTok Did, song, I think. Track star? She's a track star. Wow. Get over here. Did that pick up on the mic? That, that picked up faintly on the mic. Okay, all right. And I think, thankfully, so. Uh, perhaps <laughs> it picked up faintly on the mic. Uh, we've already confirmed intern Courtney will be with us uh, a week from... Thursday. I don't think I can announce the whole thing yet. I will save that for tomorrow. It's big, though. I'm pretty excited for it. But we've got it. a big pregame extravaganza. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, there's Philip Pilkington. Look at that. The ref is in today. Boy, all the heavies are showing up here today. Ah, there we go. Now he's leaving. All right. See you, Philip. All right. Um, Double dose of uh, excitement here today. Brian Mull scheduled to be with us at 520. It's always a crapshoot when it comes to Mull. 
And then Chip Patterson, I can guarantee you, will be on the show at the bottom of the hour uh, talking about this little deal yesterday with the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 kind of playing footsie with one another. Like uh, agreeing to some kind of alliance, alliance there, so yeah. there's no contract. Not quite sure what the alliance is about. I'm not sure either because you're not. they're not going to share revenue. I guess it's a scheduling alliance. But look, nobody wants – you don't want to dot – if you're a football coach, you want to dot your team or your schedule with one pretty challenging non-conference game. Yeah. But the rest of the – ECU's got two of them. Right. But you – that's what South Carolina's done. That's probably – of course, they play Clemson. Yeah. But outside of Clemson, in their non-conference, that's a challenging early season game for them. And it'll give Shane Beamer, who's already having to go to a graduate – postgraduate quarterback, because that situation's – Yeah. Yeah. Um – It'll give him an idea of where his team is early on. But those coaches love to still schedule the Citadel, or they love to schedule Elon. Or they, you Clemson know, that's, loves it. Clemson and Alabama it's, love it's it. It's a guaranteed sellout. Yeah. Gives you an extra day gate of revenue. You don't have to pay as much as you would to, say, have Old Dominion show up or maybe to have Memphis show up in the non-conference. Plus, you want no part of somebody from the FCS necess- or FB. BS necessarily. Yeah, I got you. Uh, and, and so I don't, I don't see where these football coaches, even basketball coaches, you know, look, K is the goat. I don't think we can dispute that, but he'll play some softies. He, he, didn't, I mean, they'll play some tough opponents, but K doesn't want play the Ivy League. Right, I but, think if this K past do, year, right, K doesn't want. Uh, let me think of a team here. He doesn't want Ohio State necessarily rolling up into Cameron Indoor. If yeah. He's also got to play Purdue, and he's also got to play UCLA. I'm just throwing out some brand names here. Yeah, but I mean, look, UCLA a Final Four team. You think Cade want to play them in the uh, in, in Poly Pavilion early season? Hell no. And I know you're not picking on them. All the good schools do it. All no, the no. Good it, I'm just I'm just throwing out yeah. names there. But I mean that's that's the way it is. So I just don't understand. So we'll get some insight on that from Chip and what this means exactly. Uh, there was some also. Uh, there was some also. There also was some breaking news. Uh, here in the last little bit, from uh, our friend uh, Nick Stevens in high school OT. Uh, let me see if I can get to this here. Basically, that House bill that would have abolished the high school athletic association has been rewritten. And uh, apparently, it'll be introduced tomorrow. The amended version of HB 91 will not seek to dissolve the NCHSAA as long as it agrees to certain conditions. So uh, more on that because we got to hustle along here because we got to get to Mall And I'll tell you what, if Mall No shows us, we'll get into that report, and we'll do a little bit more on that later on. Well, I hear if you play widespread panic on a Wednesday night, a little Brian Mull appears. Uh, it's an urban legend. I think we can, we can test well, that we out Well, we got to go with the Stones because of our ode to Charlie Watts. But I picked, we might not get them then. <laughs> I, I picked a song I think Mull will like. Yeah. So, all right. Um. Uh, tomorrow we'll have uh, John Gilbert on the show with us. Did I announce that already? No. Well, John Gilbert will be on the show with us tomorrow. It'll be a big week for him. Yeah, well, no, I think it's a big week for everybody around these parts. Look, the next week is going to be really interesting because these first two games, you got to pick off one of them. Yeah. And uh, a little easier said than done. Be a tough task. I am excited, though. I'm, the juices are going, and I'm getting very excited. Oh, I am, too. Football, yeah, getting pumped up for it. All right. Uh, Let's uh, get into today's Pirate Report. 
And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. How would you describe Mike Houston's demeanor yesterday? Ben, you were there. I'm going to say a tad salty. He was not happy with what he saw in practice. Not happy. Uh, This was uh, Coach on the practice on Tuesday. Well into our Appalachian State game plan today. Uh, Full padded practice. Uh, so it was a good, you know, good workout out there. Um, had a very sharp day yesterday. So uh, you know, gotta gotta keep on building and uh, improving. Uh, gotta gotta have a good solid week this week, and then we'll start game week Friday. Said the younger guys are having a hard time adjusting to D1 football. Let's give a listen. You know, yesterday's probably the toughest day of the year for the young guys um, because all of a sudden they go from you know thinking you know that they're you know, going to you know be out there on the field playing, and 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 some of them may may very well be before the years over. I told the Taji Hudson story. You know, he was on the scout team. You know, for about half the year last year, and all of a sudden, I mean, he kept on doing such a great job. We put him on special teams. He ended up starting on multiple special teams down the stretch. Um, you know, other other guys have done the same thing. So, um, you know, it's to me the thing is, you know, it's like it's like a couple of our guys are going to travel on the O line. They're on the scout team. And I told him, I said, you know, if you, if you don't if you don't bust your rear end, number one, you're not helping our defense prepare. Number two, you're not getting any better. And that's that's the thing. You've got to push yourself to get better every single day. Every practice, every rep you're out there, you push yourself to be the best that you can be. And that's the only way you make it to reach your full potential. So Coach Houston believes that these guys are going to have to overcome some uh, some adversity. And that is certainly what you have to overcome if you're going to develop maturity. You know, it's it's hard going from being the guy that was the star of the high school football team to now all of a sudden you know, you're fourth or fifth on the depth chart and you're and you're on the scout team. It's it's tough. It's challenging. But it that adversity is something that's so so good for maturity. And that's you know a lot of people can't understand that. I mean, it's, we've all been there where all of a sudden we weren't the guy, and you had to go through trials and tribulations and, and tough times to earn your way out onto the field. I mean, Macy O'Donnell did it for three years here, you know, before he ever made it to the point where he's seeing action. Okay, but the same guy showed up every single day, the same guy on, on the practice field every single day, and that's the only that's the only way you're going to achieve. And the guys that can't do that. They're the ones you continually ask me questions about, and I keep telling you, well, you know, he's not there yet. Uh, We continue on with our pirate report. Uh, This is, oh, this is the big reveal. Have you all ever been to a gender reveal? No, I'm sure Philip has. You guys are all probably a little young. Philip probably has. Philip's kind of old. Courtney, have you ever been to a gender reveal? Uh, Yeah, I'm sure you have. We don't have those around my parts. I, 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 you like it to be a surprise, huh? (laughs) So, my thinking was that we would have sort of a quarterback reveal and that it'd be like where you put the hat on or maybe you hold the jersey up or something. Did you really think that? Did you really, really think that, I think that, I was more hoping. I think I was more hoping that would be the case. But Mike Houston, they weren't playing around with this number two quarterback announcement. So here it is from Tuesday. Uh, Mason Garcia will be our backup going into the game. So, you know, he, you know, I thought he did some good stuff at practice yesterday. He looked much more comfortable. Um, you know, it's he's continuing to improve. Uh, you know, Ryan Stubblefield's going to be there to push him also. He, so he's getting some reps with the twos as well. Um, but you know, that's that's the problem. That's where we're at right now. And yeah, I was very I was very pleased with Alex Flynn today. He did a great job. He did a great job of simulating you know Appalachian State's uh, offense today. Might be all right. Uh, it might be. Might be Stubblefield. Might be the the or. 
I still think it's going to, the depth chart's going to read Holton Aylers and then Mason Garcia or. They're going to pull Carolina Panthers, Will Greer or P.J. Walker. I, I think that's what's going to, that's just my gut. All right, uh, I want to bunch these two special teams together, so let's go ahead and go down to the defense. Uh, now, I'm not going to tell you how to raise your kids. By God, I don't want to. But I would say this. If you're if you're upset with slightly off-color language, you might need to avert their ears or just turn the radio down for about uh, 30 to 45 seconds. All right, here we go. Well, I thought, I thought they looked very good on Saturday. I thought they were sloppy as piss today. You know, I guess that's what happens when you, you, know, you go sit around with guys and they tell you how freaking good you are. You go out there and you, you forget what made you good. So, you know, they've got to practice like the way, the way we want to practice, and we've got to be good thud tacklers, and we can't listen to all this crap that people are saying all of a sudden. You know, we've got to, we've got to you know, drown out some of the noise that's in our, in our ears. There we go. That's one way to put it. That's one way to put it. Uh, special teams. Coach Houston on that side of the football, as they like to say. Well, I feel like we're getting better every day. Uh, I think we still have a lot of work to do. Um, you know, early in the season, it's always, you know, it's always the challenge because you can only you can only get so many live reps, uh, special teams wise. So, um, you know, that's a big emphasis this week. Uh, you know, it should be something that's a strength this year. We have so many more guys that can run on our roster, and the and the guys that are coming back with experience on special teams. You know, it should be something that's a strength this year. All right, let's get a little further into these special teams, uh, specifically the kicking competition. I, I think Owens, I think Owens done a, a pretty good job of, of of winning that competition. I mean, that's right where we are. I mean, if something may change this week, but I didn't I didn't see it today and I didn't see it Saturday. He's been very consistent. Uh, his operation times have been very very good. Um, I, I'm happy with all three of our young kickers, um, but you know it's. It's, it's again. It's just like everything else. It's it's hard making that transition from high school to college. So at least Owen has a year of experience under his belt. And let's get more on COVID year freshman Owen Daffer. If you've ever met Owen, he he ain't real nervous about anything. I mean, I, he's kind of the classic surfer surfer dude, you know. So he, I, th- I say it in a positive way. Also, I mean, he just he's kind of unflappable to a degree. I mean, I. I say all kinds of off the wall stuff to him as they're sitting back here getting ready to kick, and he just he just is oblivious to it. So, which is good. My dad, the coach. You've met the coach, haven't you, Ben? I don't think I've ever met the coach. You've talked to him though, right, coach? You've no, I've never. I thought we've had him on the show. Well, maybe those were taped interviews. I don't know. Yeah, no. But my coach still calls what he perceives young punks to be skater dudes. Skater dudes. Yeah. A couple skater dudes. Coach Houston calls them surfer dudes. My dad, the coach, calls them whiffer snappers. No, that's more of Mr. PK, my granddad. All right. Um, what Coach Houston wants his team to look like against Appalachian State. Here we go. I mean, you look at the past several national champions, you know, it, run the football, stop the run. That doesn't mean we're not going to throw it. I mean, we're, I want to throw it a lot. You know, I've, I've got talented receivers. I love my quarterback. I mean, I want to be very, very balanced, but, you know, if you want to win and win consistently, you better be able to run the football and you better be able to stop the run. And nothing has never been more important than in this first game. Now, we all know that what they're going to do, they're going to play action and throw it as far down the field as they can early in the ball game to try to loosen us up. But, you know, so we've got to be disciplined and we've got to play the pass well also. That is today's Pirate Report. All right, uh, we will take a break. Will Brian Mull, when we return, HV3. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Uh HV3's on to Baltimore. Is that true, Philip? He got he got in the top seventy. He's on to Baltimore, right? Fifty six. There you go. 
You got to make the top thirty this week to advance to Atlanta next week to play for all of the all of the money, all of the FedEx cash in the uh, FedEx Cup. Uh, so we'll talk to them all about that. Chip Patterson, Ben Byron, we'll have an update for you. It's an action-packed edition here on the third anniversary of the Patrick Johnson show. Let me just say, it was this on this day three years ago we started the tenure here. Now, I mean, we, I've always been affiliated since the late nineties. Yeah, but this is. Um, this is it. This is the uh, the th- three years ago today. We uh, had our, our specialty broadcast, and then that Monday we started the show. I came back early from my honeymoon to uh, do the specialty broadcast. Well, they say the uh, third one's the best one, so. Well, let's hope. Well, we're entering the fourth year, so that means. I've heard the same about the fourth Yes, one, so. I've, I've heard. <laughs> they're often, often confused. Uh, but I've enjoyed the heck out of this. I said it today. This is uh, the most fun I've had, so. Uh, certain days notwithstanding, but yes, by and large, the most fun I've had. So it's always good. Glad you're here, Ben. Glad to see the ref, Courtney, everybody here today. And thanks to the uh, IBX media folks for uh, putting up with my foolishness and letting us stay aboard uh, with uh, the Patrick Johnson Show. Thanks to Henry and Hank and everybody, Dylan and Dan, the whole crew. John. All right, uh, we'll grab a break. We'll come back. And Brian Mull from Caddy Network will talk some golf. The fastest two hours in radio. Fastest two hours in radio. The award-winning Bushlight Pirate Game Day Countdown with Patrick Johnson and ECU legend Terrence Copper. Counting down to kick off with all the info you need to get ready for game day. Bushlight Pirate Game Day Countdown. Pirate Game Day Countdown on 94.3 The Game and 94.3TheGame.com. Getting the Pirate Nation home. It's the Patrick Johnson Show. Well, the drive home should be a delight. Here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. All right, uh, welcome back in. Uh, somewhere underneath all of this mess here. There we go. A uh, mix of clouds and sun uh, today. Well, we've already had that. Up to 89. I think it was 90 last I saw. So what do the weather weenies know? 73 the low tonight. Tomorrow, a high of 91. Sunshine. And a uh, mostly clear sky tomorrow. 71. Thursday. Uh, well, tomorrow is Thursday, right? And then Friday's looking good. No rain in the forecast. That's good for our high school football. And uh, 92. I guess our next chance of rain is next Tuesday, which is good. I hope it doesn't rain next Thursday when we bring you the Bush. I guess that was one of the reveals during the spot there, the uh, Bush Light Pirate Game Day Countdown. We'll crack the top of the Bush Light Pirate Game Day Countdown uh, for you at 4 o'clock a week from tomorrow. Uh, let's go to the uh, guest line now where our pal Brian Mull from the Caddy Network uh, joining us. Follow him on Twitter at BG Mull. Uh, Brian, how's it going? Pretty good, Patrick. How are you? I'm well. Football uh, season is yeah, here. football season is here, which means we're closer to basketball season, which is always uh, a lot of fun. 
And I know you've talked to Joe Dooley recently. We can talk about that another time. But uh, let's talk. I want to get a little golf in here since we're uh, in the second round of the uh, FedEx Cup playoffs. This is being played up in uh, Baltimore. And I don't think the Baltimore area has hosted a stop on the PGA Tour in almost 60 years, has it? That is correct. Beautiful golf course up there. Caves Valley. Mm. uh, National membership type place. Caddy program. The whole nine. Um, Tom Fazio designed golf course who has more courses in the top 100 than any other architect. And big ballpark. Early reports, they've had quite a bit of rain up there. It's 7,500 yards, playing long, tough walk. Uh, but very gettable from a scoring perspective. A lot of short par fours kind of mixed in. And the par fives are all seem to be reachable. And, uh, you know, the... The scoring is expected. Justin Thomas said today that he thought the winning score would be in the low twenties as far as under par. Wow. So they're going to have to have to be aggressive and uh, go go get it. It's going to be warm, pretty hot actually up there, and not much wind and a soft golf course and the best players in the world. So that leads you to believe that it'll be a birdie fest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's talk about a couple of things uh, from from last week and, and golfers you like this week. But let's also bring in Harold Varner uh, the third here. Currently 56, so he uh, obviously uh, somewhat comfortably cracked the top 70 to advance on to this. Uh, what does Harold need to do to get into the top 30? Gosh, I'm, I'm, I don't have all the breakdowns right in front of me, but I was looking at it earlier, and I would have to think a top three Wow, to jump from 56 to 30th. I mean, that's a pretty significant jump. I mean, it, it could perhaps be top five because the points are quadrupled you know, in the, in the playoffs, so 2000 points for a win, as opposed to 500 for a, uh, or 600 for a regular tour event. So, uh, there's an opportunity, um, with the, we saw it last week with, uh, you know, Cameron Smith losing in the playoffs and jumping all the way up to third and Tony Finau winning. And he now leads the standings. Right, so yeah. I, I would think top, top five minimum, but probably top three to be safe. Well, where's Harold's game right now? That's kind of what I was driving at. Yeah, it's been good. You know, it really has all year. He he has uh, his ball striking stats have been uh, in the elite, like the top ten or fifteen of the tour for most of the season, and and he's just continued on that path. And you know, he made a few putts last week and looked confident on the greens. Whenever uh, I was able to catch him on TV, he was he looked like he was very comfortable. And the greens this week are, are similar, also bent grass. So if he can continue to to Putt confidently, I don't see any reason why he can't continue his good play. We got Brian Mall, Caddy Network, on the line with us uh, here at BG Mall on Twitter, at Caddy Network uh, on Twitter machines, uh, wherever you uh, log on as well. Uh, so Tony Finau last week, who is one of those guys, to me, he, he and Jason Day uh, are very similar. just seems like they are two guys who should have more wins. And Finau finally breaks a uh, almost 1,100-day drought last Monday uh, to win, and uh, right now, as you said, sits atop the uh, the pile on this thing and is, is sitting in the catbird seat as he, he heads into to Baltimore and the possibility of moving on, certainly to Atlanta, in very good position. Uh, Fidel's just a fabulous player. You know, I, I think he kind of sprung on the scene in a lot of people's uh, minds, the casual fan, when he was uh, in Augusta in that kind of final round, late round grouping. I don't know if he was paired with Tiger. I, I don't remember. You might remember that better than he me. He was. Yeah. yeah. So he was yeah. paired with Tiger when Tiger won the Masters. 
And like a lot of guys, he just kind of came to pieces down the stretch. Uh, but that was kind of the first time, and it just seems like Finau's always been knocking on the door. He has. He's got a world of talent, uh, a, a big a big human and a great person uh, by all accounts. And he uh, has power. He has touch. Uh, you know, he's the modern, got the modern game, got a great short game. He has struggled a little bit on the greens at times on Sundays, which has kept him out of the winner's circle. But you're talking to a guy, about a guy who had made $20 million officially since his last victory, uh, a mainstay in the majors as far as the top tens, uh, and a rider played well in the Ryder Cup was one of the few bright spots for the Americans in 2018, mm-hmm. yeah. and locked up, uh, by all accounts, locked up his position on on the team that's going to play next month with his victory last week. So, but you know, the sky's the limit for Tony Finau. I think everybody out there understands that plays against him understands how much talent he has, and winning is difficult uh, in this super season on the PGA Tour. Nobody has won more than twice. Uh, I think it's just the speaks to the depth, the talent, and the balance, and the parity out there more so than ever. And, you know, he's a guy that wouldn't surprise me if he won another one the next couple of weeks. It really, you know, he he played great early this year, probably should have won in L.A., had a couple of other chances, and, kind of, you know, struggled a little bit through the, through the middle of the year, but even in doing that, um, still able to be a factor in some of the majors. So, yeah, I think Tony Finau is a – Got a bright, bright future, and uh, that may be just what he needed to get over the hump. You still got to like, even though I mean, Rom had a a very uh, bad and legitimate bogey uh, late round Monday, but you you have to really like where John Rom is right now. I mean, he's he, he's uh, he's almost automatic as far as being in contention. He's played in twenty events on the tour this year, and he's been in the top ten thirteen times, but only won once. And of course, that was a big one—the U.S. Open finishing in style there with birdies on the last two holes on the final round. But uh, yeah, Rom is a guy that just—it's almost surprising when he has a bad round. He, he's just so solid through through the bag. And I was really surprised how he finished really the last five holes coming down the stretch with. Uh, you know, a couple of loose loose shots and a poor chip and not taking advantage of a couple of easy, you know, an easy par five and an easy par four. And a little, you know, after after his win and the year he's had, and I'm very surprised that, uh, you know, he wasn't able to close it out because it was his tournament to lose. Uh, we got Brian Mull with us here. Uh, okay, so you, uh, you you talked about Finau, you talked about Rom. Who else, who, who do you like? Who kind of is your, uh, maybe your top five guys going into this week? I like I like McElroy. I think there's going to be some similarities between this golf course and Quail Hollow, which is also a Tom Fazio, mm-hmm. where Rory has had tremendous success through the years in Charlotte, winning there earlier this year. Uh, Justin Thomas has really had a poor year other than winning the Players' Championship, which would be a career for some guys, right. but has struggled. Uh, by his standards, uh, with the driver and the putter, they're two most important clubs most of the year. But he seems he switched back to his old putter last week and putted terrific, finished fourth. I think this is another good uh, – I expect him to keep rolling. He's won the FedEx Cup before. He's a guy who shines in his no-cut events through his career. Uh, Shoffley, I think, and in, in he he needs a good week because he has played East Lake as well as anyone mm-hmm. where the Tour Championship is. And uh, – you know, a lot of people like Bryson think it's going to be a good course for him this week, a course where he can kind of cut some corners with the driver and really use his power to his advantage, carry some bunkers and things of that nature. And his iron game has been better. Made a ton of birdies last week, also made a ton of mistakes. So, obviously, his game's in pretty good shape. He just needs to clean it up a little bit. 
And, uh, you know, Hovland is another guy. <laughs> he uh, He's always smiling, except for last Sunday when he snapped his putter over his bag. But it, <laughs> right. that happens to all of us in golf. We reach breaking point. And uh, I'm sure he's got a nice new putter in the bag this week. And um, he, had, he had played really well the first three rounds. He just had a tough Sunday there and on the Jersey, Jersey side of yeah. the city. Yeah. That whole thing was crazy with them just postponing the event by it. I mean, that's never happened that anybody can really recall. Um, crazy stuff, but, uh, look, and, and, you know, you're coming in about a dozen guys participated in the, uh, in the pro-am thing with the celebrities today. So, I mean, you've got, uh, you had to be a quick study because you're getting into Baltimore late, uh, late Monday or at the very least early Tuesday, and then you got to kind of get your work in, especially if you're one of those pro-am guys. And, I mean, there were maybe some guys even jetted home and got in late Tuesday for today to, to go through the course. So, ought to be a lot of fun, a uh, great time of year. We'll talk some Ryder Cup uh, and maybe talk with you some next week as well. well. Kind of a funky week with the Thursday game, but we'll work through it and figure it out. Hey, Brian, thanks, and uh, we'll look forward to catching you soon. Thanks, Pastor. Right. Always a pleasure. There Have he goes. Weekend. Our pal Brian Mull covers college hoops, covers golf. Caddy Network for uh, Golf, among other outlets. We got Chip Patterson on the line, I'm told. All right. So uh, the chipper will be with us talking some college football. I really want to get some sense made. You know, all of those hashtag GoACC fanboys and fangirls were uh, – Simps, I think you might call them, Ben. We're we're really making a big deal. This was what a huge thing this was for the ACC yesterday. A lot of simps out here nowadays, and they're just playing footsie. I mean, nothing's that's official. what a simp would do. Play footsie exactly. There's nothing. They're all. I mean, it's all. It's nothing official. It's just all kind of a, a handshake agreement. But they they don't even honor contracts that are signed in blood. What makes you think they're going to honor a handshake agreement? So odd. So it's, we're not. It's not really clear cut to me. It seems like on what this agreement is about. I know or that's for. what. So we're going to get Chip to shed some light on that. Uh, right now, here's Ben with uh, an update, and then a break, and then Chip Patterson uh, with us on the other side on the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben. Thanks, Patrick. We start from the high school football as the HB 91 bill has been amended and will allow the NCHSAA to continue to operate. They'll have to undergo significant changes. They no longer will be allowed to provide scholarships to players, grant funding to schools, retain a percentage of the gate receipt for games, retain any portion of money collected from ticket sales, concessions, or merchandise. They can no longer give out fines for rules violations, among many other changes. They also have to follow an ethics policy that prevent conflicts of interest. The NFL, Trevor Lawrence, has been announced as the starter for the Jaguars week one. Same goes for Teddy Bridgewater in Denver. Dwayne Haskins is expected to start Sunday for the Steelers against the Carolina Panthers. Defensive end Vinnie Curry will be out for the season with the Jets due to a rare blood disorder. The Cincinnati Bengals will start Joe Burrow in their preseason game against the Dolphins Sunday. And the LA Rams grab running back Sonny Michelle from the Patriots giving up a fifth and sixth round draft pick. For Major League Baseball, 10-time All-Star Yadier Molina has signed a one-year deal worth $10 million with the Cardinals next year, what is believed to be his final season. And from the NBA, Bucks head coach Mike Budenholzer has signed a three-year extension after winning the franchise's first NBA championship in 50 years. That's going to do it for your 94 through the game sports update. I'm Ben Barm. What's happening? I'll tell you what's happening. 
Log on to our new website, 943thegame.com, for PJ Shot Podcasts and the latest news on the Pirates. This is happening. Now, back to Patrick Johnson on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Chip Patterson, CBSSports.com, joining us. He covers college football. He's all over uh, uh, basketball and golf as well. It's always great to have Chip on. Uh, I enjoy any time we get a chance to talk to him because uh, he's just so, so bright and uh, just does a fabulous job. So, Chip, thanks for taking a few minutes with us here today. Yeah, Patrick, good to be back with you. So I'm, I'm looking at yesterday's agreement among uh, the ACC, uh, the uh, Pac-12, and the Big Ten, and I, I, I see a lot of from our friends in the Go ACC hashtag Go ACC uh, media very excited about this. Uh, Chip, it's just you know they don't really adhere to contracts sometimes. So what makes you think they're all going to adhere to a, a hearty handshake agreement? Oh, I'm I'm way more interested in uh, you know I'm way more interested in the posturing in <laughs> right. the you know the political side of this the you know the signals the flares that you're shooting in the air um you know world leaders get together at summits right and they have joint press conferences and everyone says nice things and then things get difficult and relationships really get tested mm-hmm. and so you know I, I see these three conferences these 41 institutions and I'm trying to connect the dots, and I, I see two things happening. Number one, the upcoming college football expansion. Uh, it was presented to them by the same conference commissioner that is upending college athletics with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma. The fact that Greg Sankey has been driving this thing with Bob Bowlesby, Big 12 commissioner, mm. who is losing Texas and Oklahoma, mm-hmm. I think that uh, what what may have been and could have been uh, a little bit of a rubber stamping, and maybe even an accelerated timeline, I think that these other major conferences uh, have to just put the slam the brakes because it's their only move. Uh, if not, then Greg Sankey, the person who's upending college athletics, then also becomes the author of the college football playoffs future. And if it gets accelerated, then it is 100% owned by ESPN, who SEC is now moving all of its media rights to. Like, it, you just... You look around and you see a lot of moves being made really, really quickly. You've got three commissioners that are all new, at least in terms mm-hmm. of you know changeover in the last two years. And I just I think that they want time to be able to catch their breath and figure out what's going on. Uh, so the college football playoff expansion, sort of the future of you know what football looks like, is one thing that they all want to get on the same page on. And I think for the most part, they just want some time just to make sure that they know what's happening. Uh, the second thing yeah. is the upcoming NCAA restructuring. Just literally the way that college athletics is organized at the highest level. Um, I think that all of these universities, and I think about the university presidents and the chancellors at these schools, I think that they are going to try to hold on to as much of the old collegiate model as possible. And they are all very aligned in that. And I think that they represent a voting block, and I think they represent a contingent that um, 
will be trying to make that voice heard. We'll be trying to uh, ensure that that becomes the case because with Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC, there was a lot of talk about super conferences. There was a lot of talk about, hey, could the SEC just go make its own league? And if it did, that would become pretty close to professionalizing major college football. I would guess that it probably includes the elimination of um, the kind of built-in structures that allow Olympic sports and to be able to thrive and benefit financially from the success of college football in America. And I think that that was another thing that came out of the comments from the commissioners is they were like, listen, we, we can't leave these other sports in the dust. I think there are some universities that would be fine right. letting those sports become club sports. And let's just let's lead with college football because that's what drives the money. Let's make all the decisions that are going to benefit them. You know, let's, let's invest as many scholarships, as many dollars, whatever we got to do. Football drives it. That's what we're tying our university to. And I think that these universities in the alliance, they're going to be fighting hard. So college football playoff expansion, new commissioners trying to make sure they don't get hosed and, um, you know, academic forward universities that are trying to celebrate the Olympic sports and make sure they don't get left behind in the future of college athletics. We got Chip Patterson with us at Chip underscore Patterson on Twitter, host of the Cover 3 podcast, covers uh, college hoops, college football, golf for uh, CBSSports.com. So Sankey's the most powerful guy in college football. That's That's – you know, certainly I don't think to be disputed at this point. Who's the second most powerful college football figure? Uh, Jack Swarbrick, uh, athletic director at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, as an individual athletic director, holds arguably more power than multiple Power Five conference commissioners. Um, it's just Notre Dame still, it's still Notre Dame. Man, I just still a huge brand. It's still a nationwide audience. There's still just so much demand for the fighting Irish. And I think credit Brian Kelly, two playoff appearances, um, you know, a lot of uh, high level success. He's just established a standard in that post four and eight era over the last half decade where they're, you know, one of the most consistent programs in the college football playoff era. So I'm, I, I think that if you're going for a number two, it's Jack Swarbrick who, by the way, was also right there with right. Greg Sankey yeah. <laughs> uh, putting together the new college football playoff proposal. Yeah, Everybody thought, oh, this guy, look what he did. Notre Dame can't host a game, but give it time. Give it, or at least if, if they're in the top four can't host, but give it time. Uh, Chip, let me ask you this. Um, obviously what we saw yesterday, this, this deal where uh, these conferences are, are kind of playing footsie with one another. This pretty much solidifies Notre Dame is never coming, at least in the foreseeable future, to the ACC as a as a football conference member. Would you agree with that? I, I like Jack Swarbrick said that himself. He said we enjoyed our one season as a conference member, but we come out of it with our alumni and uh, our university leadership more committed than ever to independence. And uh, when that that was not the way that uh, some ACC forward and ACC first fans were hoping. Right. You know, they were hoping that, hey, this 15-team, no division, that's, you know, all these conference games are going to play a 10-game conference schedule. Notre Dame's in it. Like, this is awesome. And yet, uh, it didn't hit the same for Notre Dame. And so, uh, I agree with you. Um, this is 
This is definitely uh, a position where if you thought that SEC adding Texas and Oklahoma was going to trigger some massive set of dominoes where the ACC gets like Notre Dame and West Virginia and the Big Ten gets Kansas and Iowa State and the Pac-12 goes to get Oklahoma State and Texas Tech and you and all your buddies were sitting on the back porch and having some beverages and just playing a big old game of risk and trading properties back and forth. The reality is that everybody is so upended by the moves that have been made by Texas, by Oklahoma, and by the SEC mm-hmm. that no one wants to do anything. Everybody's just trying to catch their breath right now, and Notre Dame is not going to forfeit whatever it may earn in the decades to come as an independent. You know, those games that it gets all over the country, uh, I think that they – I think they're excited to play an old Notre Dame schedule here in 2021. Right. Yeah. You know, they're going to be a top 15 kind of team. I don't think they'll play for a national championship. I think they were better uh, in a lot of places last season. But I, I think that they're ready to get back to just being Notre Dame. Chip Patterson uh, with us here from CBSSports.com. Where does this whole thing leave the American in your mind? In uh, the fact that the American and the Big 12 have conference offices where you can stare out of one building into the other <laughs> right. in the Dallas area yeah. where there are conference leadership, like probably going uh, to the same shoot. I don't, I don't know um, Dallas, Texas eateries, but you know, I'm thinking right. about like, like whatever your little sandwich shop or your little coffee shop, like what, whatever it is, it is in that office park, mm-hmm. like, there are, member, there are members of the staff of the American Athletic Conference and of the Big 12 that are eating in the same places all the time. Sure. I don't know, I don't know what happens there. I don't know. It's, you could look at the Big 12 um, as being in a position of, while they won't strengthen their financials, and they will certainly be losing a lot in terms of losing Texas and Oklahoma, they could strengthen their football product with the addition of a Cincinnati or a UCF. You go grab a BYU, um, you know, grab a couple from the American, maybe bring in Boise State as well, and you've, you've got a better football product, but you won't have a better financial situation for the eight remaining members. Um, the American Athletic Conference, maybe it is successful in being an aggressor, though I think it's going to be very difficult to be an aggressor until – um, Texas and Oklahoma's exit fees are all sorted out because no one would want to say goodbye to the potential paycheck of, um, you know, the alimony payments or whatever right. it's going to end up being <laughs> right, for yeah. Texas and Oklahoma on the way out. So the current Big 12 members, I do not think, are going to be in a hurry to leave. So that makes life difficult on the American, which I guess the American then just has to play defense and hope that, you know, one or two of its top football programs don't get picked off uh, for football reasons, by the Big 12 looking uh, to solidify itself as a conference and avoid dissolving with members going in all kinds of different directions. All right, uh, we got Chip Patterson here. Uh, he and his colleagues from CBSSports.com talking about uh, the most underrated and overrated teams in each conference. They uh, had the article for the American. We kind of went through that the uh, other day. Uh, it is, uh, in your mind, UCF, is the most overrated. I, I, I'm seeing this where I thought it was just Cobb that wrote the whole thing, but uh, I'm seeing where you guys wrote individual kind of breakout pieces. Uh, and you like SMU as kind of being the most underrated, and you really, really, it seems like, like Cincinnati uh, this year as possibly a, uh, a team that could crash the P5 
playoff party. Yeah, I mean, I think that me, like me looking at Cincinnati is a little bit of just hope because I think it would be really fun for all of college football if Cincinnati were to go to Indiana and win, go to Notre Dame and win, because I do project them a touchdown better than everybody else in the conference on a neutral field and to consider what playing with that pressure would lead like and to consider the kind of, you know, just great college football moments when this, this team that is running with an egg in a spoon as a group of five team with an undefeated record trying to see how high it can climb, I think two road wins against preseason AP top 25 squads plus an undefeated you know, conference record and a conference championship, that would be the best resume that we've had. Um, yeah, I would have to go back and, and compare it game by game and sort of conference strength to conference strength with the Scott Frost undefeated right. UCF team. Right. But I, I, would, I would definitely think that it would make life difficult on a college football playoff selection committee that has uh, showed, at least in terms of its rankings, a favoritism towards the power conferences. I, I do think that uh, SMU is really interesting because Tanner Mordecai probably starts the season, the former Oklahoma quarterback, but I like Preston Stone a lot, true freshman, blue chip guy. I think he's from the Dallas area as well. Their wide receiver, running back talent is great. They just brought in Jim Levitt. There's a name yeah. blast on the past yeah. uh, as their defensive coordinator. So it's, it's a high-variance play for me on SMU. And, uh, and then on, on UCF, again, it, I just find myself, my numbers are, are lining up a little bit off in terms of against some of my colleagues in, you know, where you view Cincinnati, where you view UCF, and what you think the gap between those teams are, you know, with, uh, with, with both those games being in Nippert Stadium against uh, UCF and against Tulsa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I think it really sets up well for the Bearcats to go undefeated in conference play. And I don't think that that's exactly where everybody else is on, is on that squad. Chip Patterson with us. Uh, you have ECU eighth in your preseason pick. There's a couple of your colleagues that have them uh, as high as seven, and, and some have them, and the majority have them kind of in that you know, 9, 10 range. Uh, is eighth in your mind, perhaps? I don't know how deep of a dive you've done, but, I mean, is eighth uh, knocking on a bowl game in your mind for ECU this year, maybe at six and six? Mm, probably not. Okay. I think there's a little bit more of a gap. And, and is that what you mean by going into it where like, I can say they're eight, but if I was to also list it, it might be one, two, leave three, four, five blank. Next right. one comes in at six. Right. Then the next one, you know, like, uh, you, there could be a four way tie for fifth. Um, I, I do think that I put them at the top of what I considered probably the bottom tier and some of that was just for general, uh, you know, program right. continuity, momentum, um, uh, or respect for Mike Houston, and an expectation that uh, this is going to be a solid football team. So I put you at the top of your tier, but I do still think it's that bottom tier. If it is knocking on the door of a bowl game, I mean, you know what tips the scales? It's that visit from uh, the nicest guy in America, Shane Beamer, and the <laughs> South Carolina Gamecocks. Right. Uh, a program that has called a graduate assistant into action as a starting quarterback because of its quarterback health issues. I mean, 
I, I think I think the Pirates are a live dog there. I think the Pirates are a live dog against App. Mm-hmm. You win one of those games, then you I think you open the door into saying where it might have been four or five, now we're talking it's five or six. Yeah. And then it comes down to taking care of business and probably snatching one from a from a favorite in conference play, if not two. Yeah, I got you. I, no, I agree with that. I agree with that, absolutely. Uh, Chip, hey, great to talk to you. Always is. We'll catch up with you at some point during the season. Appreciate the time. Sounds good. Y'all be well. Uh, again, a little bit of uh, honorarium to the uh, late, great Charlie Watts there. One of his uh, better studio efforts. Great drum with uh, Honky Talk Women. Great great tune in concert when I, a couple times I've seen the Stones. Have you seen the Stones in concert? Seen them uh, maybe a handful of times, yeah. Wow, that's big. Loudest band I ever saw back in the uh, 90s. Really? Yeah, really was. My, ear, my ears rang for days. Uh, sorry to get any Metallica on, Ben, but we'll do that. That's a, that's a great T-shirt. You have we'll save it. We'll save it. I bet, Look, Lars could connect his influence, I'm sure, to the Stones. It probably does. Yeah, too bad Lars is not as good. Not as chart now. Charlie Watts is pretty good. Lars is a pretty bad drummer. <laughs> you said that, I did not. Uh, all right. Uh, big thanks today to Chip Patterson on with us. Interesting to hear from Chip there on uh, where the American may or may not end up. That's big stuff. Also, thanks to Brian Mull talking a little golf with him. Tomorrow, John Gilbert will be with us. Football season a week away tomorrow as the Pirates will open in Charlotte against App State. Big week for him. Big week. Huge week. Huge week. And uh, we look forward to having John on tomorrow. So we'll be bringing that to you. Uh, also, uh, just want to say again, three years ago we started uh, this tenure as the afternoon host. We did it with a specialty show, of course, on a Saturday. But uh, it was uh, a great deal of uh, fun and continues to be a great deal of fun. Ben, I know you've been here for two of the three. So uh, keep up the great work. Uh, you guys have Roy Philpott on Friday. No, I, that, that's a big one. That's a big one. That's I'm, an I'm ESPN announcer. That's an ESPN announcer, Ben, that you guys I've seen him call a few Tar Heel games, so, you know. You will. Uh, you could talk some football to the and maybe the Panthers. Panthers. Maybe he could tell us about a kicking situation. Somebody, maybe we'll have a kicker by then. Somebody needs to. Uh, so, John Gilbert, tomorrow when we join you for the Patrick Johnson Show, have a great rest of your day.